Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of X-Ban, the Phantom Podcast. I'm Joe, as always. Jermaine, that's your cue. Hi, I'm Jermaine. <laughs> you, you couldn't tell that we rehearsed this, I'm Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and with that brilliant start, um, we just want to put out there, before we get too in-depth into this episode, that we do not know anything more about Few, uh, Few, about Fru, um... Everything that we've posted on the website and said on the last episode of the podcast and posted all over Facebook is still all we know. So we haven't heard anything more. You guys out there listening know as much as we do. But of course, as soon as we do know something more, we will let you guys know. Um, So this episode is kind of special in that we're going to look back over 2015 and we're going to talk about the stuff that we enjoyed the most. out of the Phantom things that came out that year, both comics and merchandise. So this will probably be a bit of a short episode, but it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> if short by our standards means it'll only be an hour. <laughs> Rightio. Okay, so let's get started with um, the best through cover of 2015. So, Stephen, what if you start us off, mate? Okay. Um... I, I well, this was hard. I, I, I thought it was really hard to, to pick. Um, I liked seventeen uh, sixteen, which was remind myself. Um, oh yeah, the, the the secret weapon with the um, the Confederate flag and all that sort of stuff going on there, and that was a wraparound. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, um, uh, the Byron was was, was excellent. But my favourite um, goes to Nat Turner's Spirit, the um, the the drawn one. Is, who's that one? Um, Antonio Lemus. Antonio Lemus, yeah. That's the painted um, one, isn't it? Yeah, the painted one. I really enjoyed that one. Um, mm. So yeah, that one gets my vote for um, for best cover, best through cover of 2015. Cool. Um, I wonder if any American fans have that. Um, 1716, the Confederate flag, because I heard on the news recently that apparently, and I don't know what state, but apparently some states in America, it's now illegal to show the Confederate flag on, on stuff unless it's within, um, you know, a history book or something like that. So I heard go. that some were still were still flying it on um on government buildings, on yeah civic buildings or things like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think they got in a bit of trouble for that. Yeah. So and fair enough too. Yeah. Well, exactly. So it could be a contentious issue if you're um in America with that, carrying that copy around. <laughs> right but they were the bad guys in the, in the issue as well. So. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, we're not going to get into that argument on who's the good guys and the bad guys in the Civil War, though, are we? No. No, we won't, um, we won't do that. I must admit, I echo your thoughts that there wasn't, in my opinion, there wasn't a real standout top cover. Mm. Um Oh, you know, like some years it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, that's hands down easily the best one. Um, I must admit, my probably my three top ones was uh, 1717, which was Operation Enigma, where it's basically got the Phantom just punching a guy. I just <laughs> yeah, thought it was really very simple. It was very simple, and, but it was effective. Um, probably my second vote was the Nat Turner Spirit. Um and I almost went that one. It was basically a flip of the coin. But the one I did end up going for was um, 1744. I, it was the Glenn Ford. Um, basically, Phantom with the guns. Um, it, it worked. It, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it was an iconic, 
an iconic style, and yeah, it was probably my favourite of the year. Yeah, it, is a, kind admit, of, it is a kind of classic yeah. pose, isn't it? Yeah, the, there wasn't really many that, like, there wasn't an obvious one that just kind of jumped out and, you know, basically screamed at me saying that I needed to pick it. Yeah. Um, for me, I had a similar thing. There was three or four that were really hard to choose between the two um, Glenn Ford ones, the 1744 and 1740. Um, uh, Nat Turner Spirit as well. For me, I was almost going to pick. Um, I almost picked 1722 as well, um, A Plague in Venice. I just really like the kind of dramaticism of that cover. Uh, yeah. With the phantom sword fighting and all that sort of stuff. But what, the story ruined it? Oh, it did for me. <laughs> Matt, no, because I didn't really, I didn't really base my opinion on what was inside the cover. I just looked at the cover itself. Um, also, 1742, um, Duel in Venice. I think that cover's quite nice. Yeah. Um, the only thing that ruined that one for me um, was the hand that's holding the sword. Looks a bit weird. But I ended up picking. 1740, so the new Search for Byron cover, again by Glenn Ford. I just I really like that it's a wraparound cover, and I just think the artwork is beautiful. But and we've talked about um, other issues that they've reprint, through have reprinted and they've redone the cover. And you know, usually there's a discussion about whether the new cover is better than the old one. I don't know if I like this better than the old one, but I think it's a really good companion piece to the original cover, and you've got the link to the original cover on the back of the um, wraparound with the picture of um, of the pilot. Oh, who, oh, no, the picture of the pilot, he's, his name escapes me for the moment, whose plane they find crashed, the Australian pilot. Um, yeah. Oh, Kingsford Smith? Kingsford Smith, that's it, yes. Yeah. So you've got that little, that nice little link between the two. So, yeah, I picked that for my... Um, my favourite cover. Right. So, let's move on to best non-fru cover uh, of 2015. So, this is all the publications that weren't fru um, got judged in this. Uh, Jermaine, do you want to go first this time? Okay. I got two. Cheetah. Um, yeah. First one That's would it. be, um, well, first one would be King Phantom 4 cover B which that's not code for anything. Um, it's, it's the cover B for King King Dynamite number four. It's it's real simple. It's like a close-up of the Phantom, and all you see is his belt buckle. Yep. Um, I don't know. It just, I, as soon as I saw the cover, I loved it. I haven't got that comic yet, but it's on my short list of things to get. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes something simple like that really, really works. And I know it doesn't feature the Phantom or anything like that, but it kind of reminds me of the other Dynamite story of number three of the last Phantom where you've got the close-up of the bad guy with the skull mark on his face. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. So sometimes when you break the rule of not showing the Phantom, well, okay, let's face it, King uh, Dynamite hardly ever had the Phantom because it's what's well, not the real Phantom, but we'll get into that argument later. <laughs> um, <laughs> But sometimes when you break the rule of not showing the Phantom on the cover, it actually is more memorable. And I think that I think this is a case of it. The other it one remind, that I ch- sorry, it, sorry, it, remind, it reminds me. Of, it reminds me of the, the um, Moonstone cover. Is it you know, zero or something like that? Where it's the close-up yeah. of the ring? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, it's the same type of thing. It, mm. You know, it, it works even though you've broken the rule. Um, the other one is the Kizilmaski regular series uh, number twenty-one. Now I don't know if anyone's ever actually seen the covers for these uh, Kizilmaski comics, which is basically Turkish comics. They're re-releasing a lot of the um, uh, Lee Fork Sky Barry stories, and then there's this guy. Oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, where is it? Just bear with me for two seconds. The research in this show, so professional. No, I've actually got it written down. <laughs> it's Ertigrul Edom. Ed, basically, I can't say it, so I won't even bother, I won't even bother uh, <laughs> making a fool out of myself. But he's a, he, he does all the Turkish covers. And Have you guys seen these covers? I've seen a couple of them, and I looked at the one that um, this one he's speaking about, and, yeah, it's beautiful. It. It is. It is absolutely beautiful, um, and all of his covers are like that. Mm. And um, I'm just look, I'm looking Phantom Wiki now, and they're, yeah, they're great. I've got to say, I really like the Phantom's costume red. I don't know if it's particularly this image that's doing it, or, or what. But I just think it looks really nice in red. Yeah. It, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I must admit, of the of the um, pop vinyls, which we'll discuss later, the red one is actually my favourite as well. So, mm. you know, maybe the um, Europeans have got it right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be red instead of blue or purple. Yeah, it's which, very dramatic, uh, isn't it? Yeah, sh- we won't tell anyone because um, <laughs> we don't want to cause another uh, another flame war on Facebook. I'm, I'm um, sure I'm sure whoever's taking over for who is listening and now going to change the costume to red. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> But it's a, it's have, a black and white comic. No one will know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but they're my two favourite. Um, I'm really, really liking the covers out of this um, this Turkish series. Yeah, it's, and it's nice that they're painted too. Mm. All right, so my favourite for um, non-fru covers is King Issue One, the Darwin Cook um, cover. That's the one where he's sort of on the on the tree branch kneeling down and you can see the skull cave in the background um i really like this kind of similar to um what you guys were saying before about those classic poses um i think jermaine when you mentioned the uh glenn ford cover where it's a classic pose where he's holding the two guns Mm. this has that same sort of connotation for me and also i'm just generally a big fan of darwin cook's art his stuff is really cool and um I don't know, it's it's just a really interesting... I like the way he's drawn the jungle. It's kind of a way we haven't really seen the jungle drawn before. It looks... I don't know, there's just something about it that... um, It's almost cartoonish. Yeah. It reminds me of Sky Barry's art in the early... um, Like when he first took over. It's that that boldness, simple layout, simple um, jungle, but like lots of it, which gives it the impression of that it's quite busy, but it's actually quite simple. Yeah. Well, if, if anyone listening has seen um, Darwin Cook's art before, and um, he's done heaps of stuff for Batman, and um, he's done the spirit and things, and all his work is very much like that. It's got that cartoony element, but it's still got a lot of gravity to it. You know, it can be really mm. dark when he's doing Batman, but then he can change it, and it's really light, and everything in between. He's a great artist. So, um, yeah, that's that's my pick for best non-fru cover. 
The thing that I like about that is that it's actually part of a, like a, um, like all of the comics, all the first number one out of that kind of merge yeah. together as one. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting um, issue one of all the others just to put them together, but um, I only got the Mandrake series, so I'll have to go back and get the others as mm. back issues. So, yeah. Um, right out. Well, let's move on to the next category, which is... Hey, um, what's my favourite fruit non-fruit cover? Oh, I thought you did yours. No, did I? Oh. I thought you did. Sorry, I'll shut up. Get on. <laughs> no, I did. Oh, that's right. Jermaine um, did too. That threw me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'll be quick and I'll go and say Hermes number three, just him jumping out of the, um, it's, you know, looks like he's jumping out of the plane. I just really like that. But um, there was also another one, I think it was the Aussie variant, and it was a simple one where he's just punching the bad guy. I also like that. But I'll, I'll go with number three. Yeah. Cool. Um. I've been looking at a bit of Sal's work lately, and he really likes that little circle. Yeah. You know, like yeah. um, like all of those, all the six regular issues have that, and some of his um, earlier Egmont covers and all that have it as well. It's an interesting, um, what would you say? It's an interesting style using kind of like the shapes to highlight like the single. Yeah, it's an it's a nice way of framing. Um, frame the image yeah yeah it's really cool alright well now we'll move on to the next step <laughs> oh, are we allowed to Steve yep 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 yeah <laughs> got my blessing <laughs> right so we've got um, the best fruit issue of 2015 um, I'll go first this time so I picked issue um which issues I picked, 17, 10. Uh, I re- really like the um, the cover on this one as well. Um, That's actually a 2014 it's... story, isn't it? Oh, is it? I might have put the wrong date. <laughs> I might have been looking at it wrong. I'll have to have a look. Oh, well, why don't you guys go? Stephen, <laughs> you, you correct me while I double... You go while I double-check my myself here. Oh, Joe, Joe, Joe. All right, I'll go terrible. mine. Um, okay. Mine is 1739. As you can hear my child screaming in the background, it's okay. She's not being killed. It's just that her feet's in a sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mine is 1739. One, because it was, it was the start of when we saw the uh, Heart of Darkness. Um, yep. But it also, like, we had the great first part, we had the great first story as well as the Heart of Darkness, so it's kind of like, you, and I've said this many times in our podcast, but it's like you get two stories, two full-length stories almost, for the price of one. Um, so for me, it was just like, I was like, oh yeah, this is brilliant, I'm really enjoying it. So that's probably why 1739 is probably my favourite free issue of 2015. Fair enough. How you going there, Joe? Um, yep, I don't know what I did. I actually meant 1740. I obviously pressed the wrong key when I was typing into my notes. So the search for Byron <laughs> issue. Um, I again, had a feeling that's what you meant. Because yeah. when I looked at 1710, I yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the search for Byron issue, because again, because of the cover. And it's just such a fun story. You know, there's so much going on in there. I, I really like that story. So that's that's my pick. And I'm agreeing with you. I've picked 1740 as well. Mm. Just great to see it remastered and redone. Yeah. 
I must admit, I didn't really enjoy it as much as you guys. Like, nothing against the story or anything like that, but it was just kind of like, oh, just, you know, I would have rather, I think I would have rather read an average news story than that which is a good reprinted story, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Um, I really liked it probably more from an art aspect than anything else with the remastered art and, you know, the nice big panels and the really crisp printing and the cover and everything. Um, I still think the story's good and enjoyable and all that, but what really made it, makes that story for me is the artwork. So, yeah, <laughs> that's just yeah. why I picked it. But that's all right. You're allowed to think that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're wrong, but you're allowed to think it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, um, our next uh, topic is the best non-fru issue of 2015. Um, Stephen, you can choose this one. You can oh, go first, okay. I say. I'll go first. Yeah. Radio. Well, this was a bit tricky because the only um, non-fru issues that I bought were that I actually bought were the King stuff, and that was crap. <laughs> so, but I'll go with um, Jungle Jim. Um, because he does mention the Phantom, or Prince Valiant, where the Phantom gets to embrace his inner elf whim. <laughs> I've really got to check that out. That just sounds really cool. <laughs> the Phantom with a goatee and yeah, all this. He looks. He looks he like was... something out of um, Three Musketeers or something, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've discovered that I'm, I'm missing Prince Valiant Four. I only just noticed that the other day, so I was a little bit ticked off with myself for, for that. So. Yeah. Uh, I think we've all said it before, but the other stories were Jungle Jim and Prince Valiant were a lot more fun than the Phantom one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about the Herms? You've got some of those. Oh, I do. You've got, you know, have physical I'll, I'll, copies. I'll, yeah, yeah, that's right. I've got the, the digital ones. Um, but And so I, and I kind of read them as a whole at once, so to really... Um, separate them into separate issues was hard. But I would say that, you know, the ongoing um, uh, Hermes was, was excellent. Mm. Yeah, he I didn't... Just, I, but, I could, but I couldn't nail it down to one issue. He didn't have to wait almost two years for <laughs> six issues or whatever it is. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, right. probably why, that's probably why he enjoys it a lot more than me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Well, on that note, I'm going to give my best on through, and it actually is Hermes' ongoing issue two. And the main reason I picked that is the twist at the end. Um, I think everybody here's read it. Yeah, you, you've read it, haven't you, Steve? Yeah, I read yep. it. So if you haven't read Hermes' ongoing issue two yet, um, just fast forward a little bit. But that twist at the end was the revelation that... Um, Jimmy Wells is now married to the Baroness. That was brilliant. Yeah. I did not see that coming. That was just absolutely amazing. So that's what, why it gets my best non-through issue, because that was just so, so good. Yeah. So that's my pick. Fair enough. Um, mine was the Herm Sunday Archive. Oh, yes. Um, this the regular one or the big one? No, the big oversized big. one. Yep. Probably because it probably got from, not from the average fan, you know, but like, um, but from like a collector's point of view, it, it was, you know, it was pricey, it was 
probably a little bit overpriced and and stuff like that. But from a collector's point of view, it it was a great collection to get. You know, like you got this book that has Sundays that are you know big. They're like well, I can't remember what size they are and the comic dimensions, but they're, you know the bigger they're all. You know, they're bigger than an A4 bit of paper, and so they're big, they're bold, they've got the the old colours, so you actually look like you're reading a newspaper from, you know, the 1940s and stuff, and it's like how it was originally intended. It was it was great. It was... That's pretty cool. Um, it, it was expensive. Um, a lot of people have not actually unwrapped it from the <laughs> shrink wrap that it came from. <laughs> Because it's like one of those things that you probably are not going to read because, you know, for various reasons. One, because you've probably got the story 20 times. Um, I haven't taken it out of the shrink wrap either, um, but it, it's, it looks great on a shelf. And, um, yeah, I, it was probably my favourite non-frill issue of 2015. Fair enough. So I wonder how many people picked that up because I would have loved it myself, but like you mentioned, just that price point was way mm. too much for me. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to know how well they sold because I haven't looked up the numbers for it or anything. Um, I haven't heard anything, but hopefully it was a success for, for Holmes. But are they doing another one? I can't remember hearing anything um, about that either. I don't know. They did. They reprinted the same thing, but... Um... Uh, did it with a like a little medallion type of thing for the Comic Con, so oh, okay. like they released it just at you know the big San Diego Comic Con or whatever it is. Yep. Um, so that looked pretty cool. I know I know a couple of people that brought both, um, but yeah, they looked pretty cool. But um, yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I don't think it's something that you would um, uh, reprint like every single, you know, like. Volume two, volume three, volume four, or anything. I think you would just stick at the volume one. Okay. And was was it the first half a dozen Sunday stories or something? Uh, I think it was. I think it was probably the first three or four. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Was there as much in it as the regular Sunday um, book? I have a feeling it might have been slightly less. Yeah, I have a feeling it might have been less as well. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it was maybe one or two stories less than... It was 1939 to 1942. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got here The League of Lost Men, The Precious Cargo of Colonel Wynn, The Fire Goddess, The Beach Coma, The Saboteurs, and The Return of the Sky Band. So it's the first mm. six there. Mm. First six, yeah. And if you go on the wiki page, you can kind of see the... They call it a limited edition plate. Yep. And so you can kind of... um. Uh, you can kind of see it. it would have been nice. I think they only did like, I think um, of the of the one that, with the San Diego Comic Con, they only did seventy five of them. Oh wow! And then I think with this one, they did um, they did a thousand copies. So, I'm um, yeah. I, I think it it would have been nice to have and stuff, but you know, you're looking at. It's quite expensive. So the size was 55 centimetres by 45 centimetres. Yeah, that's a decent-sized book, isn't it? Yeah. You know what, you'd almost have to buy a um, plinth or something to sit in on while you're reading it. <laughs> <laughs> or a pulpit or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> right, well, let's move on to our next category, which is Best Writer of 2015. Uh, so I'll go first to this one. I... Well, you look. Sounds like your daughter wants to put her two cents into you there, Jermaine. Mm, <laughs> she, didn't agree with, she didn't agree with that last one, but the Sunday. No, 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 that wasn't no. a good one. <laughs> you spend that money, I was going to get a seesaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my favourite writer for 2015, um, which is, oh, I'm not really cheating because he's written for the Phantom and his story actually started in 2014 and has gone on for ages, but. My pick is Peter David, who is writing the current ongoing Holmes Press um, series. Now, we have complained about the lack of uh, consistency with those issues coming out, but as we know, that's not actually anything to do with the writer or the scripts done. So I don't think that Peter David deserves any of the flack for that, and I think his story has just been absolutely brilliant. The twist we mentioned before, his characterization of the Phantom, um, the little jokes he throws in, the banter between the Phantom, um, Jimmy Wells and Diana, when, you, you know, <laughs> they all, Jimmy Wells and Diana are hugging and stuff, and the Phantom gets jealous. It's just, I just love everything about that story, so that's why he's, he's my pick. Yeah, yeah. He's um he he did the DC series as well, the DC mini, the yeah. one to four, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that to this day is still one of the under um, what do you call it? Underappreciated. Yeah, underappreciated sagas stories that I I think is out there. So yeah, I'm pretty. I happy. I have. He, he didn't issues. do one to twelve as either. Did someone else do that? No, one that was someone else that did that. It was a completely oh. different team, wasn't it? Like, I don't think it was the same artist either, was it? I'd have to check. Yeah, um, like one and four was a different team than from than from one to thirteen. Yeah, I actually have that uh, DC mini, but I haven't read it yet, so uh, okay. I'm gonna have to check oh, that out. Oh, do yourself a favour. Yeah, I know it's always been, you know, one of those things on the list that I just haven't got around to. My my favourite writer of 2015. Um, he's a little known, unknown little uh, guy from Sweden. His name is Goran Semp. He wrote The Medicine Man's Daughter. Now, he's written two, st- he's only written two stories, which when I was researching, I thought it was a little bit weird. And I don't know. Um, Egmont, uh, editors, um, I know you listen to this, so you might have to try and get him on again because um, his two stories, Abanda's Pride and The Medicine Man's Daughter, I really enjoyed both stories. Mm. Um, now, The Medicine Man's Daughter was... Uh, we've, we've talked about it in one of the previous podcasts and we all raved about it. And not only because of the twist. Like, you know, the twist was amazing when it was like, you know, when it was the daughter that was the evil one as well. You know, that was a huge twist. But apart from that, it was still a good story. And, yeah, I, I don't know. The twist, it, like, it, it still sticks with me. Like, when I was looking over, when I was doing this, you know, preparing for the podcast, it was kind of like, for me, it was a no-brainer when it came to, you know, this story, that it was one of the best ones of this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's who I chose. What about you, Stephen? Um, well, I'm going to kind of cheat like you did, and you know, I think it started in 2014, but it's 
it was still in 2015, and it was published in 2015, so I'll get that one. Um, but I'm going to go for Tony DePaul because I really enjoyed reading John X parts one and two in the in the paper. Like every day, I'd be saying, "Okay, what's happening next? What's happening next?" And um, I enjoyed it even more so in one hit. Um, I know he, he cops on flack if you read them online or whatever, and there's always a whole bunch of comic comments un- under it, and not all of them are very supportive. But um, I really enjoyed it anyway. Cool. Yeah. I must admit, um, Tony DePaul, he's um, probably for the last oh, probably 15, 20 years, they've, all the stories have been exactly the same length and they've been very cookie-cutter, you know, very cookie-cutter. It's kind of like, you know... But in the last couple of years, he's really broken that tradition. Like, you had the, uh, the death of Diana, the Mexican Phantom... Uh, you know, a little saga, and then you got the Johnny X saga oh. as well, and it's kind of like he's brought he's brought back the old school, really, 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 really long stories that go for like a year or two. And it's, <laughs> yeah, um, I must yeah, admit, I, I like it. Oh yeah, I wasn't so you like. know, dissing mm. it. I just um, yeah. I think it's funny how you how you feel like. When did the death of Diana come out? That was um, was it three years ago? Four yeah, maybe. Sure. Yeah. I reckon it might even be longer than that. Because it was and, published and, through in the early 1600s. Oh okay. Because I remember reading, and maybe it was in the Christmas special, or maybe I think it might have been the Christmas special, um, a Sunday story, or well, one of the newspaper strips anyway. And Diana still had her short hair. So I tell mm-hmm. you what, it takes her a while to she grow her hair back. Now. Yeah. Maybe she's, she's just got it now, keeping yeah. it that way. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I prefer women with long hair. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, didn't they um, start reflecting that in the Egmont yeah, comic the books Egmont as stories well? As yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, but I think we're kind of, well, not past that, but they all get jumbled up in through, so I'm not mm. really sure where they're up to. Well, Egmont have actually, um, they... Re, they reprinted it as well, but then they, because um, you know how in Free, with Egmont stories, you have Sandor Singh as president, but when we get our Lee Fork stories, it's Luaga still as president. Yeah. So what Egmont did is they reprinted it, but then they edited some of the of the scenes when it showed that Luaga was president and stuff like that. Oh, so okay. it actually oh, looked really? like it was more continuous with the Egmont world for their readers. Oh, Ooh, fair enough. Interesting. Yeah. That's clever. That's, that's yeah, clever. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right. Okay, so, yep, best artist of 2015. Uh, who'd like to go first? You're Stephen. Oh, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I'm going to go for Carrie Leppinen for Nat Turner's Spirit. I just really like the use, yeah. the use of um, black pages. and you know, It was like white on black rather than black on light. Um, yeah, the, the darkness of that really set the tone for the story. So um, I'm going to give it give it to Carrie. But um, honourable mention to Henrik Johnson for his awesome debut. And I think I remember when we um, reviewed it, there was a couple of panels that I didn't like, so I'm going to knock him down for that. <laughs> but I reckon if he if he puts anything out this year, he's probably going to get it. Um, mm. Sorry, um, Alex. Um, I know that I'm, I'm a big fan, but um, these guys these guys were really on top of their game. I reckon 
uh, this year. Um, and, oh, yeah, looking at Henrik, just opening that first page, and I messaged you guys straight away, check this out, this is awesome. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping for, for more good stuff out of Henrik this coming year. Both of them are very similar in, this, in the way that they love their black. Um, yeah. yeah, I noticed that, yeah. And the thing that I appreciate is that the story looks probably better as black and white than what it does in colour, mm. um, which is great for us free readers. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you can actually enjoy a comic that looks really good in black and white. Like you get some... You get some artwork, and it like it looks brilliant in colour, but it looks very, very average in uh, black and white. Where this is almost the opposite. You know, it still looks brilliant in colour, but it looks fantastic in black and white. Yeah. yeah. And and Le Pen, I reckon he saves his best work for historic stories. So you reckon they're his favourite? I suppose they'd be the most interesting to draw. Mm. I just reckon he's better at historic stories than um, the modern-day ones. Yeah. That's probably a very valid point. Right, so who's your picture, mate? Okay, my pick is the... We talked about him before, the uh, cover-up for the Turkish series. Now, I love... I'm a stickler for a good old painted cover. Um... <laughs> In my opinion, the artwork, it looks, it reminds me of the old George Wilson stuff from uh, the Avon novels. And, you know, yeah. I, I am going to be buying this series just for the cover art. Um, I'm, you know, and I've looked into it and it's not cheap to get them shipped from Turkey. The comics are actually okay, fairly decent price, but they're not cheap to ship over. But I'm going to be doing it. You know, obviously, when I've got some money and stuff like that. <laughs> but I'm going to be doing it just for the cover art. That's how much I appreciate his art. Wow. And here you were complaining about Dynamite's 56 different variant covers. <laughs> well, he's only got the one cover for each issue. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Well, that's fair enough. If you like it, then you may as well. May as well pick it up if you've got the money. So. I can get it. Yeah. Maybe um, if Fru, the new people at Fru, whoever they may be, are on the lookout yeah, for funny. cover artists, they might get him to do a couple. Yeah, he would be great. Mm. Well, um, my pick for Best Artist of 2015 is probably pretty obvious if you listen to the episodes. I'm going with Henrik Johnson. Um, pretty much for every reason that Stephen uh, mentioned in his honourable mention to Henrik <laughs> that artwork just yeah when you open that first page that artwork just blows you away and also it's so different to anything we've seen in the Phantom for a long while mm. and it really feels and this isn't um, a diss at any of the other artists there's lots of other Phantom artists I really really like but there was something about Henrik Johnson's art that felt like it made a step from the established Phantom look, if you want to call it that, into a more modern comic book arena. I think mm. his artwork just has that more modern twist to it. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm not dissing any of the artists. I have appreciation of older artists as well. But there's something about his art that really feels like it's a modern um, superhero type look. And of course, you can argue whether 
the Phantom is a superhero. We won't get into that. And I'm sure there's some older fans out there, um, you know, between screams of, Get off of my lawn! They're not liking that I've just said that the Phantom's now modern, but, you know, they're probably that old. They can't use a podcast anyway. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Hey, isn't it my job to dish old people and, you know, to be the uh, stirrer and not your job? Well, I figured I'd have a go at it. (laughs) We didn't get any hate mail for, for your little rant, so I thought maybe I'd be safe. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it feels great, doesn't it? It does, it really does. <laughs> but that's, you know, we, we've all got our pet peeves on that the show, and my pet peeve is, you know, people that don't like to accept that things need to move on. Sure, appreciate and love the original stuff, but for something to remain relevant, especially when it's been going for all, for 80 years, you know, in a couple of weeks, it'll be 80 years, it's got to progress to stay relevant. And I really feel like mm. Henrik's artwork has done that. So that's it's, why I'm picking him. Yeah, you make a brilliant point that you need the modern, you know, you need the modern touch. And it's great to see young, like a, a young people getting into the artistic world of the fandom. Like you've got Henrik, you know, you look at him and, you know, mm. you can tell he's young. He's 25 you know? or something, maybe even younger than that. Yeah, it looks like he's, you know, just about to buy his first razor. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but we're, we're so so used to having, and this is no disrespect, but he's actually got his natural hair colour for one. Where a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the artists and creators and stuff like that, you know, they're of the they're they're older than us. They're the they're the of the older generation where it's I think I think for the Phantom to survive and flourish it needs the younger injection and i think that's where it's also good um with free how they've gotten uh last year where they had jeremy do a lot of covers as well you know he's another young guy and it, it it's good to have that that young blood in there and it's you know they did it with uh, Cy Barry back in the fifty you know in the sixties and stuff like that you know he, he wouldn't been he wouldn't have been old then and look at the impact that he was able to make yeah um, and so I reckon you know I reckon Henrik will you know could could maybe not you know make as big as an impact as what Cy did but I reckon he could make a big impact as he grows into the role yeah exactly. Just looking at his um, profile on um, on the Phantom Wiki, and you were saying before about how um, Egmont or Phantom and whatever um, changed the the president, you know, from uh, yeah. Luaga to Sant. He was the guy that was um, charged of doing it. He, oh, yeah. really? Johnson provided the artwork when a Sunday story was published in Scandinavia, and the story was changed so President Sun Sundar Singh. Was in oh so it wasn't the death of Diana or whatever it was but it was, it was another Sunday story. So oh, okay. That was written around yeah, around the time. Yeah, he also does the um in every Phantom Man issue there's like a little character bio on one of the pages where it's like got uh, a minor or a major character and then there'll be like a, a picture of them and then it'll be kind of like what stories they've appeared in, what who they are, how they fit in, and, and stuff like that. And he creates all the art for those as well. Mm. Yeah. I think so. it'd be great if um, Fru could, you know, if, if the new um, people at Fru are going to continue with the poster thing, if they got those posters Henrik did for Phantom, I think mm. it was Phantom Men, and made them available, because that stuff's great. I'd, I'd yeah. buy those in a heartbeat. 
So, yeah. Dropping lots of hints to um to through to the new uh, new people. We are. Through this. <laughs> this is what we really like. So this is what we really yeah. like to see. <laughs> Keep doing this. This would be fantastic. Well, you know, they're coming in to a well, not a new company, but an established company. They want to revitalise. They need new ideas. So we're just providing them. <laughs> yeah, too right. That's a service. <laughs> so anyway, without making it too obvious. Um, what are you trying to do? What about what? What are you guys' uh, best collectible merchandise release in 2015? We all say this all at once. Yeah. All right. Yeah, ready. Right. One, Three. Two. Oh, Which go, way are we right. going? <laughs> ready. We'll go. One, two, three. Pop. The pop bottle. bottle. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very interesting that all three of us chose that. And um, for those that don't know how we do this, we all choose our things separately. We kind of don't really talk to each other while we're doing it, so we don't get influenced. And each of us on our own all pick the pop vinyl, so I think that's quite mm. interesting. So, What else was released in 2015? Uh, you had some those Indian posters. Um, you had other... St- um, there was a lamp that was released. Was it, oh, both lamps were released this year, I think. Yeah, both lamps. And you also had... Um... Oh, what else? So the Indian posters, um, the sh- Indian shirts, yep, that's right. the two posts, uh, the two lamps that you said, and I thought of saying else, but I can't remember it now. Uh, the, di- the diary, 2016 diary came out towards the end of the year. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you've got the Swedish uh, Lee Fort Memorial Bengals Explorers Club uh, calendar. And then you also had those two mugs from uh, Europe as well. Oh, and the Bradford um, replica pistols came out this year. The Phantom bottle, bobblehead from Icon. Um, mm. Oh no, sorry, that that came out. Was it start of this year or end of last? I can't remember now. Because I know it was. Toward... I thought that had been out for a while, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I can't quite remember if it was yeah. the start of this year or late last year. It came out. Ah, uh, start of 2015, end of 2014. It came out. But anyway, we had a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the pop vinyl, I think, you know, not only is it because it's a, it was a great product. Yeah. Some of the painting on some of them were a little bit off, but I think that was the minority. Mm. But it all, it's, it's an iconic um, piece of merchandise that a lot of people are collecting, so... It was great that the Phantom is able to cross-pollinate into another another collecting sphere that, that may see, um, you know, whether they pick up the Phantom as, or they read a comic or something, but it's highlighting the character to another range of audiences, which I think is good. Yeah. Yeah, and- it's great to see it in, in, in different stores, like in EB Games and stuff like that, where they mm. you know, sell these pop vinyls. Ah, yeah, there he is. There's my hero. Yeah, I was going to say that, Stephen. Every single time I've been into a shop with pop vinyls, the Phantom's been there. And that's not to say that, you know, they've ordered it in and nobody's bought them. Because mm. I've noticed, like, the EB Games um, just up the road from me, they've changed. Sometimes I've been in there and I'll just have the purple one. Sometimes I'll have all three. Sometimes I'll just have... One of the, I think last time I was in there, they only had the red one. So they're obviously selling. Someone's buying them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I've been into other shops that sell pop finals, and I don't think I've been into a store yet since it you know, was released into the general 
uh, retail outlets that hasn't had at least one. So, yeah, it's really good. It's really mm. cool. Well, a comic book store, um, one in Perth, uh, Quality Comics, they've got, like, I reckon they must have, like, about 50 of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the newsagent down from me has started selling them um, because, as I'm sure people are aware, newsagents are struggling, so they're looking for other areas of... Um, other venues to make money through and they've got a couple of pop vinyls and they had um, two full sets of the Phantom on the top shelf all displayed very nicely so <laughs> I I'm, I'm guess they're hoping that people that come in to pick up the comic will, will grab one mm. of those as well so yeah, yeah it's cool so um, take that all those naysayers when the pop final came out Joe's <laughs> <laughs> on fire man. he's, he's uh, having a crack isn't he yeah. Next episode yeah. will be listened to by three people, and it'll probably be <laughs> us three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like, have you ever watched that? Um, oh, who, that radio shock drop over in America? Private Parts was the name of the movie. Oh, and um, Howard Stern is Howard it? Stern, and you know they said, you know, these many people listen to the story, uh, listen to his show because you know they like it, but you know millions of people ever listen to their listen to his radio show because they hate him. Yeah. So there you go, Get, getting ratings because people hate you, Joe, that, 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 it works. Yeah, well, you've, you know, you've got to do something. <laughs> right, well, with that discussed, let's move on to arguably the most important um, section of the whole, the whole episode, the best story from 2015. This is spread over all publishers, so through, um, <clears throat> I was going to say Egmont, but they're basically through, well... You know, you know publishes their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Fru republishes their stuff. Um, so Fru and Egmont and Hermes Press and Dynamite. So all out of all of those, these are our favourite stories. So Jermaine and the you... newspaper stories. Oh, as and well. the newspaper yeah. stories as well. Sorry. So, would Jermaine, would you like to do yours because it's the um, same as mine? <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't cheat. We don't look at each other's answers. Um, the medicine man's daughter. Yeah. This is brilliant. Absolute brilliant story. Um, kind of gets a little bit lost because it wasn't wasn't towards the end. Yeah. Um, but it's a great story. It um, it's got good art. It's got beautiful little touches and homages to you know the to Phantom historic lore. Like it's I can't remember off the top of my head, but it refers to like a hotel as to like Lee Fork and Ray Moore and stuff like that. So it's got those little beautiful little touches. And then it's got the twist. Yeah. It's got the great twist. And I also like the fact that an old enemy of the Phantom actually goes to the Phantom and asks for help. And it's almost like the Phantom feels sorry for it. Like, you know, he's like, Hang on, I should not trust this guy. I should not like this guy. But I think I like him. I think I almost, you know, feel sorry for him. <laughs> um... And then he goes and helps him, and then he gets hoodwinked. And, yeah, I, I don't know. It was brilliant. Yeah. I think, too, what needs to be said, like, the the twist makes the story into the brilliant story that it is. Yeah. But if the twist wasn't there, it still would have been a really good story. And I think that's the yeah. most important part of it. Like, if you have a crap story that suddenly becomes awesome because they did this amazing twist, that's one thing. But if you have a really good story that's becomes great because of a twist i think that's even better yeah so yeah it was it was really cool it's definitely my favorite um the only reason i picked that above say the herms press stuff is we haven't seen how the herms press stuff ends yet it's all one story where that 
you know, obviously ongoing, so we... In uh, other words, you're going to save the best story of 2016 as the hands on going <laughs> Well, we don't know how it's going to end and we don't know what else is coming, so no, I'm not going to say that just yet. <laughs> it could be, but I'm not going to say that. We've only got, what, one or two issues left? Uh, one. One, yeah. Issue five's out, and then I think issue six is going to be out early February. Oh, cool. Then right. we'll have then we'll have the on the second series uh, series of the ongoing. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if we start seeing some little uh, snippets of the new um, artists and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd imagine they'd start putting out promotional stuff mm. not too long before release. But anyway, uh, we're sidetracking ourselves as usual. So Stephen, what's your favourite story of 2015? Yeah, well, I went against the grain there. Um, I really enjoyed the multi-part stories, like the Golden Rune and the Jewel of Venice. I know oh, they're not... Golden Rune. I know they're not you. Uh, hey, at least it wasn't the triads. Hey, well they, well, they didn't publish the triads now, did they? They're, 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 there's nothing wrong about the stories. It's just that, oh, read them. Yeah, you mad. Yeah, it was Steve's first time reading them. So as his first time reading them, now he's popped his... Cherry, he's allowed to say that was his favourite story. I didn't, I, I didn't give it my favourite though. I enjoyed reading. Oh, you enjoyed it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. and the same with the John <laughs> Venice stories. Um, um, yeah, the Twisted Medicine Man, it was good. But my favourite, it, it's gonna. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna get a bit of hate for this one, but I like the Skull Game. It, it's short, it's sharp, it's fun. I really like the way he messes with the bad guys with the skull, with yeah. the skeleton on the throne. Um, you see guys who have met the Phantom before get scar marked and then get another one there to, to, to match it. I I really like it. And then at the end there where he's got he's trying to get the his own scar mark off, off his chin and he looks a little bit ticked off that he might not be able to get it off. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I just I thought it was a good, fun story. Yeah, it was. I um, When I first picked it up and looked at it, I thought, oh, this is just going to be you know, a derivative of uh, City of the Skull Marked Man. But yeah. no, it was quite. It was quite different. It was very same kind of idea, but I done it in a in an original way. So, yeah, that mm. was cool. And it had the nice human touch where he let the brother off and, and yeah. stuff like that as well. Like it would have been very easy for the fam just to go, I can't be bothered, having a bad day, smack, <laughs> skull ring, go back to jail. I don't know what I have to deal with you. But to be able to go, hey, your brother's come to me. Your brother's worried about you. I won't scale mark you now. Go get your life back yeah. in order. It's, it's, it's got a good moral ending, but it also shows the human side of the fandom as well. Same as the Medicine Man story, but with a different part of his human side. It's good to, to see that apart from just the robotic action hero. Yeah. Cool. Right out. Well, that's our picks for best of 2015. Um, if you agree with us, or if you don't agree with us, you can of course let us know via many multitude of ways. We are on Facebook, on uh, Chronicle Chambers Phantom Fan Page, or Phantom Collector. You can find us on Google Plus um, under Chronicle Chamber as a profile, or under um, uh, what do they call it, Phantom. I think it's Phantom Fan Page there too. I know, I should have opened the link. Um, there's all links on, on the main site. And we are, of course, on Twitter as well at um, Chronicle underscore Tweet. So you can hit us up in all those various places. And uh, you can email Joe. 
And you can email your, me or, or, your, your mail. or your hate mail. <laughs> hate mail to be directed to chroniclechamber at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> right, so anything you guys want to say about 2015 before we wrap this up? Um, excellent and looking forward to 2016. Looking on to, to build on from the good stuff that 2015 had. And let's see, let's bring on 2016. Very nice. Yep. Um, I'll just say that Thanks mostly, well, yeah, I would say mostly, a very big part anyway to Dudley. Um, I'm finally really excited about Fru again. So, you know, that that's probably my highlight, biggest highlight for 2015. And like Stephen says, I'm looking forward to see what this year brings with um, the shake-up at Fru. Yeah, no, it should be good. Yeah, it should be very good. I, oh, I just think they need to, you know, hurry and get it sorted. The natives are restless. Yes, the oh, are they what? Yeah, the natives are very restless. I think the long, the Longo and Wombisi tribes are going to go to war again soon. It's <laughs> they're the two that are always biffing each other, aren't they? Is those two? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and everyone else is going to have a say as well. <laughs> yep. It's going to be civil war. Yeah. We need to get we need to get the golden ox out so we can all fire the um, arrows into it and pledge peace until we get our new Phantom comic. Yep, or, or just start training and we'll have a Jungle Olympics and everyone can settle their differences that way. <laughs> right, everyone, thank you for joining us um, on this episode and I hope you join us again for the next one. See you later, guys.